everyone, and welcome to the Remote Work Summit. On the panel now, we have Nora Dunn, the founder of The Professional Hobo. She has some really interesting piece of advice if you're a digital nomad, a freelancer, or an entrepreneur who's planning to travel and work at the same time. Nora herself has been traveling full-time for the last 12 years, and through her website, she helps people travel in a financially sustainable manner. Welcome to the summit, Thank Nora. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really exciting to have you on the summit, Nora. I think a lot of the freelancers, a lot of the digital nomads on the summit would love to learn about how they can become financially independent and how they can build a lifestyle for themselves, just like the way you've done over the last 12 years. So just tell us a bit about your background, how it started, your journey so far. Well, uh, it's, the journey started uh, in 2006. I was uh, busy running a financial planning practice in Toronto, Canada, when I decided that I wanted to embrace a lifelong dream of traveling the world long-term and immersively. And it was something that I realized I couldn't accomplish just by taking vacations every year. So I very unconventionally at the time, I sold everything I owned uh, and I took off. I didn't know what I would do, where I would go, how I would earn money, or even how long my travels would last. So I'm as surprised as the next person to, uh, to say that I traveled full-time for 12 years. Uh, very shortly into my travels, I, I found ways to make money uh, as a digital nomad. Terms like digital nomad, of course, didn't even exist at the time, but here we are. Uh, so I carved out a career as a digital nomad, uh, being as a travel blogger, vlogger, and freelance writer. I traveled full-time for 12 years. And uh, then I actually returned to Toronto. I got a home base there, but I continued to travel for about half of every year. Uh, and as such, I continue to be a digital nomad. That's amazing, Nora. I think I, I haven't met someone who's been traveling full-time for almost 12 years now. And uh, you still continue doing that for half a year. That's, that's truly amazing. Uh, you said something about traveling in an immersive manner. W what does that mean? What is immersive travel? Uh, so for me, the idea of travel was uh, was less so to pass through a place and more so to experience living in a place. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to, to break bread around dinner tables around the world. I wanted to crack the cultural code of various places. I wanted to understand how people think. Uh, what are the going, you know, issues? How do the children play? What do people talk about around the dinner table? Uh, and how do people live their lives? And that was something that I tried uh, to accomplish with vacations, but I found that every time I came home from a vacation, I had more questions than answers. And I realized that in order for me to experience life around the world, I really had to commit to it. Understood. I, I feel you there because, you know, uh, cultural fit is it's a big thing over there because uh, while you're traveling extensively, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of times people just bounce from one location to the other. But if you give yourself enough time, if you give yourself enough space to actually spend time in a particular location, you actually understand what's really happening over there and uh, I, I think that's a really important part when you're traveling uh, maybe full-time so you said you've been working at the same time you've been working while traveling what is that like is it really possible for you to work while you're traveling while you're on the move is it full-time working or is it something else it's a hundred percent possible to work while you travel uh, it is but it's not easy <laughs> I'm going to give you that that uh, caveat right there. Uh, I do work full time. Uh, it, it, being an entrepreneur of any kind uh, requires a lot of work. It requires a monumental amount of discipline and motivation. And that's something that can be very difficult when you're traveling the world because, of course, right outside my doorstep on any given moment is an amazing destination that I want to explore. And yet I have to, uh, you know, spend time on my computer earning my living. 
So that was one of the things that really inspired me, well, really necessitated me to travel slowly. For me to experience a place and start to understand the rhythm of a place and make friends and meet people and, and, and whatnot requires me to be there for many weeks, if not months. If you think about going on vacation, you're not working at the time, so you've got two weeks in a place, uh, and you're out every day, you're doing touristy activities, and you're, it, it's go, go, go all the time, but in terms of actual travel activities. For me as a digital nomad and many other digital nomads, it's a balance between working full time and then at the end of the day, you close your, or the end of your work day, whenever, whatever that looks like, you close your computer and then you go out and discover whatever's on your front doorstep. So it's done slowly, it's done immersively, uh, and it's done in a, in a way that is very, um, you know, when I go out, I'm, I'm going to the grocery store and, and getting my, my supplies. I'm, uh, you know, going to whatever special interest groups or meetings or, or, or whatnot, meeting people, both locals and other travelers. So it's a very slow way to experience the world. Uh, but also, too, I think it's important to note uh, in terms of this lifestyle, travel, just the sheer mechanics of traveling, uh, choosing a destination, researching that place, booking your flights, figuring out where you're going to stay, uh, and then once you arrive, figuring out how to live and how to survive in that place, that takes a monumental amount of time and energy. And the faster you travel, uh, something's going to suffer. It's either going to be your online work or it's going to be your experience of that destination. So for me, a bare minimum of one month in a location uh, is required, but ideally I spend uh, a few months in a location. And that depends on the place. It also depends on the cost of living there and you know, on visas and whatnot. But in, in a few cases, I stayed, I stayed anywhere between six months and two years in certain locations and used them as bases for further exploration. That's long. Two years in a particular location. I think that's almost like living over there permanently and not just traveling. Uh, well, it was a great experience of being able to say that I was uh, to have that home base. Uh, and I, I rail a little bit with, of, oh, well, you're, you're not traveling. And it's like, well, no, I think travel is a state of mind less so, but more so than it is an act. Because when I was, I had a base in the Caribbean, for example, for two years, but I regularly traveled from it every, you know, for a month here and four weeks there and three weeks there. Uh, so I was always, and even just my own experience of exploring the island that I was living on was, I, I did it as a traveler. Uh, and, and it was, I, I think that it's important to note that when, once a traveler, always a traveler and in every place you go, if you have that intrepid way of being, uh, it, it's, it doesn't really matter where you are. Uh, you can be a traveler. I agree completely. And I think, uh, I loved your point when you said it's not easy to travel and work full time at the same time. It, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of motivation and discipline. And, uh, the way to do that is to travel slowly. But I want to talk more about the discipline and the motivation part. Do you think that you can share any tips with us, any strategies, anything that you have personally been through, any problems that people might face? So anyone who's starting off today, anyone who's trying to travel and work at the same time, what could be the problems or challenges that they might face, especially in terms of motivation and discipline so that they can stay on track with their work? Anything that you can share with us on that? My, uh, the, the, the secret, <laughs> uh, the only way really that I can succeed is with a routine. 
Uh, this is I swear by my routine. Um, I've been able to identify for myself what time of day I'm generally most productive. And for me, that tends to be mornings. So I have a, a pretty specific morning routine, which includes, um, you know, exercise and, and health and eating a healthy breakfast. And then that gets me set up to have some really productive work time. So for me, that's a really good thing. For other people, they like to work late at night. Uh, and this also depends sometimes on the location you are, what time zone you're in, uh, if your work requires you to liaise with people in other places in the world, then obviously you will be forced to work at specific times of day. So depending on your situation, for me, I think survival as a digital nomad depends on having a routine that works for you and sticking to it. Why? Because discipline and motivation are two factors that are crucial for the digital nomad lifestyle, but not everybody has an innate amount of discipline and motivation. Not everybody has that, that internal kind of drive to work when you want to go out and play. <laughs> and I mean, we're all living around the world and living in amazing places around the world because we want to experience life in that destination and to, to really knuckle down and do the work that needs to be done in order to uh, enable that lifestyle is not easy for a lot of people. So for me, the trick is having a routine and sticking to it. Uh, other people I know use a lot of, there's a lot of tools out there. Uh, you know, there's the Pomodoro technique and there's, there's apps that you can set up on your computer that prevent you from having any distractions uh, and then don't allow you to log into Facebook or <laughs> whatever it is when you're, when you're in uh, working mode. So uh, if you know yourself well enough to know that you are uh, liable to distraction, then uh, just implement the tools that you need to do to keep you on track. Absolutely. It's, it's very, very important, very crucial to have a routine, like you said, and uh, you know, for each person to identify when they're most productive. Like you said, for me, it's, it's uh, middle of the night. I'm most productive at night when there's no distraction. No one's trying to call me. No one's trying to email me at that time i can do the best work that i can so that that's uh, again a personal uh, preference here but like you said you need to have a routine you need to have the right tools it could be a timer it could be distraction free apps but whatever you do you need to have that personal motivation and discipline in place if you're trying to be successful as a as a digital nomad as someone who's traveling and working at the same time i feel Absolutely. the next thing i would like to talk about is financial planning when you're just starting out what can you do, how to start, how to go about it? What are the first steps that you can take to plan your finances and to make sure that you are financially independent and not uh, going to you know, put yourself into debt just because you're traveling full time? So there's a few things that I specifically recommend to people who are starting out as a digital nomad. The first thing is get your financial house in order. If you have debts, clear them because it, to have to continue to make payments on debt while you're traveling is going to come at a cost and it's going to come at the cost of your experience on the road. Maybe you, you're making enough money or not in order to continue to pay those debts. So if at all possible, get your financial house in order, clear all your debts. Also, make sure you have some savings. At the very least, I suggest that an emergency fund should have at least enough money to get you home at, in an instant. Uh, so in the event of emergency, let's say you get a call from home, there's trouble, you need to be able to get on a plane from anywhere in the world with a moment's notice and be able to make it home. 
Now that also comes is instrumental too in terms of, of you know, it may not be a call from home that 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 uh, inspires you to go, but perhaps you realize you're done, or perhaps you're ill. Uh, travel insurance, gotta have travel insurance to hedge your bets. Do not be one of those people that says, "I'm not going to get travel insurance. I'll just rely on crowdfunding if I get sick." It's insulting as far as I'm concerned, but <laughs> I won't. I won't go there right now. <laughs> um, so that's very important. Also, uh, make sure you get the foundations of your online career established before you start traveling. Because don't do what I do, because I did it wrong, right? I, I started traveling full time, which unto itself for me, learning how to live on the road and how to travel and starting to carve out my personal style of travel was really time consuming and also very energetically consuming. At the same time, I was establishing my online business. And to be perfectly honest, one or the other consistently suffered. So if I was really focusing on the business, my travel suffered. And then when I really focused on the travel, my business suffered. So do yourself the favor before you hit the road, make sure you have the foundations of that business up and going. My third piece of advice is if you are selling everything you own in order to travel the world, don't use that money to travel. Because at some point, you may well want to set up another home base. And if you have no money to do that, then you're, you're not helping yourself. So make sure if you sell everything you own or if you sell a bunch of your belongings to travel, make sure you set that money aside as seed money to set up a home base again. Uh, also, there's a decision to be made with regards to do you want to keep all your stuff uh, do you want to pay for storage? Do you want to keep an apartment uh, while you go travel? All of that comes at a cost. So it's important to take a really critical look at your finances and a really critical look at your lifestyle as well. Uh, if you, if you, there's a chance that you're not going to come back to that place, then it doesn't make sense to put all your stuff in storage and pay a monthly storage bill uh, just to realize that you want to live somewhere else anyway uh, and you have to pull out all that stuff out of storage. Almost everybody I know who have put their stuff in storage have returned to this stuff years later and asked themselves why they kept it at all. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a difficult but a cathartic process to get rid of your belongings uh, and it, it well, yeah, it's not easy, but I found it was uh, it was definitely helpful to help me embrace the process of living on the road. Thanks, Nora. I think I think that's a really valuable piece of information that you shared over there. I'll just quickly recap everything that you said, just so people who missed out can you know uh, make sure that they can take note of it. So, uh, among the different tips that you shared, make sure that you clear all your debts before you start traveling full time. Make sure that you have sufficient savings in place. Ensure that you have an emergency fund that can get you back home, no matter what the reason is. But you should have something in place. Uh, get travel insurance for sure. Never skip on that, no matter what the reason. Make sure that you have a strong foundation of your online career or your job or your business, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Uh, you have a strong foundation already in place before you start traveling full time. And uh, don't use up all your money if you're selling your assets. Make sure that you have some sort of a seed fund for your future home base already in place. You do all those things and then you are basically becoming a more responsible person before you even travel full time. So if you're thinking of traveling and working and becoming a digital nomad, uh, even for a short period of time, make sure that you have these things taken care of. I think that that's really important information that you shared with us over there. Thank you so much for that. Now, I, I feel the next thing I would like to discuss is what kind of jobs, what kind of uh, careers, what kind of things can you do while you're on the road? And is it, is it possible for someone to take care of their clients 
their partners, their team, uh, whatever business, whatever job that they're doing on the road, is it possible that you can do it while you're traveling full time? It depends on the job, obviously, but I have been amazed at the leaps and bounds that have been made uh, over the years uh, to allow many people uh, with variety of different kinds of careers to be able to work in a location independent manner. Uh, I read, I don't, I don't remember where I read it, so it, it's not really, <laughs> take it for what it is, but I read somewhere that 40% of the workforce will be uh, or have the ability to be location independent within the next few years. And that's really important. Uh, it's also important to note, though, that not all of that 40% of the workforce will actually be traveling full-time. It just means they have the ability to work from anywhere. For many people, that means just working from home uh, and being more available for their families. Um, but then for other people, that opens up the, the possibility to be able to work from the road uh, part-time or full-time. So there are, there's, I guess there's a few different major categories of work that you can pursue as a digital nomad, uh, one of which would be telecommuting. So that is where you have a job for an employer, but they, that employer does not require you to come into, your, into the office, or at least not all the time. So meetings are, are, are done through video conferencing, emails, there's lots of programs, project management, task management programs that coordinate teams. Uh, so it's very easy. Uh, there's more and more companies these days that don't even have offices or headquarters and they hire all of their um, employees remotely. So uh, that's one form of work. Uh, another form of work, of course, is to be an entrepreneur, start your own business. And that business could be as varied as, as your own experiences as well. I know people, obviously, people, when people think of an online business, um, they think of, you know, a writing or writing code or, you know, do web design. Uh, but really, the world of online businesses is so much larger than that now. You don't have to start and run a website in order to make money with an online business. Uh, maybe you want to do voiceovers or maybe you, you want to do illustrations or, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do as an entrepreneur that doesn't require you to be in one place. The last category of employment would be freelancing, which is kind of, uh, it's, it's an in-between. You're, you're, you're kind of working for someone else in that as a freelancer, your clients are kind of your boss as well. Uh, but you'll have many of them. So it's, you're also an entrepreneur in that you are managing the, the jobs you take uh, and, and who you work for and when and how. So uh, freelance examples of people doing freelancing would be, uh, you know, get a travel writing, of course, is, a, is a, an example. Uh, but really, again, anything that you might do as an entrepreneur, you could potentially do as a freelancer as well. Thank you so much. I think that's two interesting pieces of information you just shared with us. Uh, first, in the next couple of years, roughly 40 odd percent people will have the ability to work remotely, which what that means is that if they want, they can be location independent. They don't have to necessarily travel full time, but they would have the opportunity. They might have the ability and the tools and a particular skill set or a job that allows them to work remotely. So that you know opens up a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And uh, for people who are trying to figure out how they can set up this kind of a lifestyle for themselves, I think those three categories are very important. You could either be a remote employee, which means that you're working with a company in whatever capacity you're doing right now, and that company allows you to work from home, that company allows you to be location independent and work from wherever you want to be. Or you could become a freelancer, in which case the same skill set is being used to service other clients 
as an independent business owner. But if you go ahead, go a step ahead and set up something of your own, you become an entrepreneur. So you could either be a remote employee, you could be a freelancer, or you could be an entrepreneur. And those are the three avenues that you have to ensure that you have uh, something that allows you to travel and work from wherever you want to. You, you don't have to necessarily work or travel full time, but you can be location independent if you're following these three uh, different categories of employments. So that's interesting. Um, I, I feel we should uh, talk a bit, um, bit more about productivity when you're working from home or wherever it is that you are, because uh, in the absence of a traditional office setup where you don't have uh, a table, meeting rooms, and people looking off, you know, looking over you all the time, how can you ensure that you continue to be productive, whether that's as a freelancer, entrepreneur, or as a remote employee? How do you ensure that you stay productive? throughout the day when you're working from home or working from anywhere in the world. That is very important. And that is something that uh, I, I didn't realize in the beginning uh, was as important as it is. Uh, and and <laughs> you can boil it down to ergonomics. Uh, and if you are not, if you don't have a proper workspace set up, you're not likely to be as productive as you could be. And uh, if that workspace is not ergonomically appropriate, you can actually run into bigger trouble. So I had a, a I was volunteering in Hawaii uh, very early on in my travels, and I didn't have a proper workspace. So really, my workspace was I was I was kind of sitting on the floor with my computer on the bed, and it just it didn't it wasn't good for my back, it wasn't good for my eyes. It was I mean it was just an awful awful setup, and I ended up throwing out my back. And during the, 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 was the week and a half that I spent basically <laughs> paralyzed in bed, I couldn't work. So it came at a great cost, not having a proper workspace. The other thing that I find personally important is uh, with having a proper workspace is that it is a dedicated workspace. So when you are sitting in that chair with your computer on that, in that area of whatever your living space is, that is for work. And when you sit there, you are working and you're not doing anything else. And when you are, are living and working in the same space, it's really important to have that very specific workspace. And that way you can turn it on and you can turn it off. Because for some people, it's very difficult to stop working. I'm one of these people. So I could just, I, if, if, I, if I'm working in my living space, then those lines become so blurred that I'm not able to differentiate when I'm on the clock and when I'm off the clock. So that is important. If you don't have that in your personal living space, and I try to make sure that wherever I go, I have that. But if for whatever reason, you just cannot have that or set that up, you could explore uh, co-working. So there's a lot of co-working spaces around the world these days uh, that is basically like you're paying for an office space. Uh, and it's a communal office space. It's usually a great opportunity to network uh, and, and there's social opportunities with other people who are working remotely themselves. Uh, and the, 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 it's a double-edged sword because it does give you the ability, if you, if you know for yourself you're not the sort of person that has the discipline to work from home, then a co-working space could provide you with that dedicated workspace to get things done. And people, I know people who use co-working spaces and they say it's, it's some of the most productive work they do, but it comes at a cost. Uh, co-working spaces, depending on where you are in the world, are not cheap. Uh, and in fact, even in places where the cost of living is really inexpensive, I find co-working spaces to be uh, a, little, a little expensive for my tastes. 
Uh, and myself, I had many years in the workforce before I started traveling full time. Not everybody has this frame of reference, but I used to work in a cubicle. I didn't like it. So the whole idea of traveling the world and paying for a cubicle just blew my mind. That said, life on the road can be lonely and it, it can be a really good work and uh, social and networking opportunity to join a co-working space. So definitely try it out. See if it's a good fit for you. I agree completely. I think that's a very valuable piece of information for us. Uh, like you said, ergonomics of your workstation are the key here to ensuring your good productivity throughout the year, you know, throughout the time that you're traveling or working from home or wherever it is. It needs to be a proper, it needs to be a dedicated workstation. It could be uh, in your house, it could be wherever you are, or it could be a co-working space, which of course is a personal choice. It comes with a cost, but it also offers you the option of networking, of meeting other people, of socializing, because like you said, loneliness is a big component and it, it does lead to a lot of uh, problems with a lot of people who are working from home throughout the year. So it, it's important to get out, to meet people, to find other events you can part, be a part of and probably just make your work uh, a more social experience. So that's that's pretty interesting. I think, uh, so Nora, any, any interesting experience or story you could share with us from all your years of traveling Anything that could, you know, probably excite a lot of people who are watching this interview, right? Absolutely. Uh, I think probably the, the, the biggest surprise that I experienced when I started traveling the world full-time was that actually my cost of full-time travel was significantly less than I actually ever paid to live in one pace, place. Uh, and that was a huge surprise to me, uh, but I only later realized the extent to which I was able to save money because uh, when I started traveling, I was getting my accommodation for free. An accommodation is when you travel the world, it's going to be your largest expense is having a place to stay. Uh, and for me, I actually discovered all these different ways to get free accommodation around the world. And not only was it obviously financially beneficial for me, but depending on the gig, it was also very beneficial for me on, from a culturally immersive standpoint, from a social standpoint. Uh, and, and over the years, I experimented with different ways to get free accommodation. Uh, the first way that was through volunteering, which was really exciting because I was basically, you, you work for, you know, the gigs are very different, anything from, you know, 10 to 30 hours a week, and you get a free place to stay and sometimes meals as well. Obviously, immediately living locally, you're plugged into a local situation. Often there are other international volunteers there as well. So it's also a, um, a broadening experience for meeting people. However, I did also discover pretty early on that there was a, a little bit of conflict between the hours required to volunteer and trade for accommodation and the hours required to set up my business. And that was one of those times where I, I felt that one was always coming at the expense of the other. So that was when I discovered house sitting. Uh, so there you can house sit basically people who go on vacation, but they need someone to take care of their home, possibly their pets, maybe their plants. It's, you know, it, it, the, the gigs vary extraordinarily. So and it can be anything from a few days to a few months to even a few years where you have a free place to stay and you get to enjoy all the comforts of home, except it's somebody else's home. So that actually was really, that goes hand in hand very well with the location independent lifestyle style because you have the home space to work in and again from a travel uh, and a cultural perspective it's really it's a unique experience to live as a local would live in a local's home in various locations around the world. 
I've also lived on boats. I lived on, on boats in that five boats, no, three boats, no. How many boats was I on? I think it was about five boats spanning three countries in the Caribbean without a night on land for three months. Uh, so that was really a, a very interesting way of experiencing the world from the water. Uh, there's also hospitality exchanges. Couch surfing is a, is a common example of, of uh, hospitality exchange. That's great, but it's great for short periods of time, a couple of days here and a couple of days there. Uh, the, I will note, I meant to say this a little bit earlier, in, when you're staying with other people, it can be very difficult to get your work done. Because often, in my experience, when I stay with people, if they're used to hosting travelers, they're used to those travelers being on vacation. And so when I show up and I don't have time to go out and explore my destination all day every day, uh, my hosts often find that surprising. Or they don't understand the necessity to concentrate on work. And every time they interrupt me, even if it's a, a very benign interruption, like, would you like a coffee? Every time I'm interrupted, my productivity halts and I have to kind of take a few steps back and move forward again. So I really enjoy uh, hospitality exchanges, but when I do them, I do them for short periods of time and I don't expect to get a lot of work done. Interesting. Uh, and then if you, if you have a home to exchange, home exchanges are the last form of free accommodation that you can get. Now, I go into all of these five forms of free accommodation, how to get them, how to get the gigs, how to make yourself in demand for these things, and also how to balance uh, working as a digital nomad plus having these forms of free accommodation in a book that I wrote that's called How to Get Free Accommodation Around the World. Uh, and you can find that on my website, which is theprofessionalhobo.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. I, th I think that concept of house sitting is something I've never heard before, and I, I'm, I'm definitely going to go to your website and check out the book that you mentioned how to get free accommodation a link for that is going to be on this page as well and on our resources section so anyone who's interested can quickly check it out perfect i think that was really productive thank you so much nora